0: I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 95 of the Food About Town podcast, Petra Page Mann from Fruition Seeds in Naples came over. We spent a whole day going around Rochester experiencing tons of cool foodstuffs, but what Petra was coming over to talk about was Fruition Seeds, and um, you know, I just had a great experience going out visiting their farm over the summer, and I wanted to learn more about how Fruition started, what they're doing there. And it so turns out that um, since when we recorded the podcast, their initiative uh, called Flourish, their new garden club, has just launched, uh, just launched yesterday. And uh, Matthew Goldfarb, one of the other partners in Fruition Seeds, is a big part of the new Row 7 Seed Company that Dan Barber is working on. And, you know, the whole experience of creating seeds that are really regional and are Breeded for flavor, or bred for flavor, is something that's so critical to great food happening, uh, not only here in upstate New York, but all around the country. And the fact that a lot of this development is happening right in our backyard in Naples through Fruition Seeds and Cornell uh, is is kind of special. So definitely grab some Fruition Seeds when you get a chance. If you can go out and visit them during the spring, grab some plants and plant your own plants as well. It's well worth the trip. Uh, I had a great time with Petra. So uh, follow Fruition Seeds. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram, I believe. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it out. Food about town on Facebook at Stromi on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Disturbingly spring like today in the middle of January. Cheers. Oh, God, it is. Uh, but, anyways, well, I've got somebody across from me. We've been traveling on Rochester all day, checking out different things. Gloriously. Yeah, well, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: <gasps> well, my name is Petra, Petra Pageman. And true confessions, I was born in Kentucky, but I moved here to the Finger Lakes, to Naples, when I was four. So I like to say I was not born, but I was fairly effectively raised. In the Finger Lakes. Mm-hmm. And I really love food, so we have a lot in common, Chris. Yeah.
0: And uh, how did we end up coming across each other? I mean, this is... <gasps>
1: Michael Warren Thomas is definitely to blame. I think so. Solidly. I mean,
0: he's to blame for a lot of things. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he, he's the, the the host of a fantastic radio show on, uh, on Saturday mornings. He does For the Love of Food. He does gardening. He does Finger Lakes, wines, all sorts of things evangelist for local wines Um, and a, geez, he's almost a political activist now for, uh, you know, gas storage and all sorts of things all around the Finger Lakes. So, and he's also to blame for introducing us. (laughs) And um, we went out, uh, my wife and I went out to visit Petra and check out her whole growing facility out in Naples, which is Fruition Seeds.
1: Dun, da, da. It was a beautiful summer day. It as was, I recall.
0: Oh, it was! It was stunning. If I, I mean, it was. I think we got sunset. I think we got <laughs> you know blooming flowers and uh, the dogs running around, and it was <laughs> one of those days. You know, the hills in the background. It was. It was the kind of day you love being in because it's mm. so much where you are at the moment. Mm. And what is what is fruition seeds, and why should we care?
1: Oh, an excellent question. So. When people ask me if I have children, I say, yes, and great, great, great grandchildren. <laughs> and if I think they have a sense of humor, I say, and you can eat them. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's what I do. I love to eat. And food begins with seeds, as does so many other things. And so I grow seeds. I grow regionally adapted certified organic seeds so that you can put them in your backyard and actually have tomatoes that are late resistant Mm. and actually have arugula that you can eat all winter long and actually have lettuce that doesn't bolt in the summer and having phenomenally delicious food right at your fingertips that you is really easy to grow that starts with phenomenal seed. So that is, I love people and I love food. And seed just happens to be the vehicle that allows me to eat a lot of food and love a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, seed is the heart of everything when it comes to our vegetables and our fruits.
1: You know, whatever you love in life becomes your center of the universe. So I look at medicine. I look at politics. Everything I see through the lens of genetics Mm. and genetic diversity.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's talk about for a second. You mentioned this, you know, the local focus. On these seeds and the way they 're grown how, how does that come in how do you end up implementing that in the seed process so we're you talked about lettuce not bolting and you know arugula that grows better here in our area. What does that end up meaning to you, and how does that end up coming into how you develop the seeds oh,
1: What a fun question mm-hmm. it is it comes down to the brutal fact survival of the fittest and sometimes that has more to do with our climate and the soils than me and sometimes that has everything to do with me and my preference for the color purple for example Mm. and so for example with cold hardiness every year we let tens of thousands of plants go over the winter they're on their own they're uncovered in the field and some of them will die and the ones that die don't Get to produce seed, but the ones that do survive, we save the seed of, so in that way that I really don 't have much to do with it at that point i 'm letting ecology and nature do what it does. Mm-hmm. There are other times where i 'm literally saying, I love the color purple, and we have this beautiful variety of kale that imagine Tuscan dinosaur lacinato style kale and Mostly you see that and it has kind of cream, light green. Essentially it has white stems, not purple. Why not? If I'm in the world and if I'm developing varieties of vegetables and selecting for things, purple is definitely going to be involved. So I'm selecting, I'm going out there to the field and from 1,000, from 5,000 plants, I'm literally eating, killing, eating the plants that don't have the traits that I want, letting the ones that do have the traits I want survive. So then I have a way more resilient kale that actually looks more purple. So there's every story, every seed. Each of us has a different story. And so every single one of, I mean, when I say these are my babies, I'm kind of not kidding. any given packet. No, we have over 300 varieties, every single one, some, I'm a terrible mother. I do have certainly <laughs> favorites. But each one has this really rich place in my heart that we have a very
0: personal relationship with. Yeah. What are some of your favorites that you're growing out there? Uh, you? You,
1: <laughs> I do have favorites, but trying to actually articulate which mm. ones do you have time for 60 different varieties? I'm not <gasps> sure about
0: 60, but, <laughs> but we, we got, we got, I want to I learn a few about what which ones that have caught you the most.
1: Oh my gosh. So f- I have to say, I love seeds, and I love food, and I love Rochester and the Finger Lakes. We're really fortunate to have Cornell University right down the road.
0: And you guys work with Cornell, don't you?
1: All, all the time, mm. and specifically, there is one of the top organic plant breeders on the planet who is, there's lots of plant breeders in the world, but very few are public, doing things for the public good, as opposed to industrial commodity Um, agriculture and so Michael Mazurik is at Cornell and he is just an outstanding human he is so fun he is so brilliant and usually people that are that intensely brilliant have you know can't break it down in a way that anyone (laughs) could just say yeah I totally get it Michael and he is he nails it Mm. so a lot of his varieties we have He's taken us under his wing, and we have grown and flown so beautifully with his friendship and with his mentorship, and a lot of his varieties. I'm about to tell you about, but the number one is habanada. You know, we had so much fun this afternoon playing with your habanero hot sauce. And
0: so, before let's we're going to take a tangent because so this I've made hot sauce I think two or three times before this one. And successfully every time. This time, I bought a giant bag of habaneros, probably four (laughs) pounds. And I I de-seeded all of them. You know, the chopping and the finesse that comes with it. I was wearing gloves and... (laughs) It, you know, hours of de-seeding habaneros. You I did, um, barely, by the, by the skin <laughs> of my habanero skins. Um, but I, I put it in, you know, I salted everything, mixed it with some carrots and onions and roasted garlic, everything, you know, roasted to get some extra flavor in it. And I put some salt in there and put it uh, in the basement to ferment. Well, it turns out that I did it wrong. And I didn't cover everything with liquid. And it fermented wrong on the top. So it smelled sort of like nail polish remover. (laughs) Um, And I showed uh, showed Petra while she was here, and she explained the whole thing to me, which I appreciated. Here to help. Yeah, and we we skimmed (laughs) off the top layer, and actually all the stuff underneath was um, not affected by it. It was actually in its own liquid and taken away from the oxygen and fermented fantastically. Brilliant. So now I maybe I lost a quarter of it, but the rest of it, well, we get to add vinegar to and enjoy now.
1: I can't wait to try it. So thanks to you, we get
0: delicious hot sauce.
1: <laughs> Takes a village. Let yeah. me count the waves. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, habanero is one amazing flavor. Mm. Uh, they can be, they're fruity. The spice <laughs> is very interesting because it's this acrid sort of spice and flavor. But habanadas, on the other hand,
1: Oh, man, let me tell you. So it's the perfect name for the perfect food. So it's habanada, as in like nada, zilch, zero. It is a habanero that is heatless. And a lot of people will say, well, then, what's the point? And here's (laughs) the thing. Michael Mazurik, this plant professor, plant breeder at Cornell, He loves chilies and he loves heat, but he has a tolerance to heat so he can taste the incredible flavors in the chilies that if you don't have a tolerance to heat, you can't get past the heat and you can't taste the flavor. So he wanted to make a pepper so that people could actually taste what chili heads are actually after. And so it's this remarkable, it's not just a sweet pepper. It is this fruity, floral, exquisitely tropical, it is this mind-blowing experience of flavor that you end with zero of the heat. And so you eat it, seeds and all, and it is just, I can't tell you how much I love them. And I know how much I love them, and then every year (laughs) when I taste them again... I just close my eyes and I am in awe of Michael Yeah, and I'm so grateful for him. So we have, you know, we offer seeds of that and we also have, we grow tons of transplants that you can actually come to our farm in Naples and bring home. That's super exciting. for your gardens. Cause I,
0: I love the flavor of them. And I think for, for my wife who has decided <laughs> not to contribute <laughs> today, she's sitting on the couch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although you get to hear her in our Toronto podcast, if you go back for that. Yes. Um, but yeah, the flavor is fantastic, and I think it's an amazing idea because it isn't just another sweet pepper. It's so complicated. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that's a I'm sure that's a big hit.
1: It's ex- I mean, food and wine. It was mm. one of their. They did a huge article about it last year. Chefs all over the country and all over the world have been freaking out about it. I mean, if you love if you love flavor, it's turning f- this classic flake, flavor profile upside down on mm. top of its head. And to look at it, you there are some very subtle differences, but it looks like a habanero, and so it has just every it has this theater about it, and then in your mouth it has this just incredible. Anyway, you should come to our farm this August and try them and certainly get seeds, get transplants and grow them on your own.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. Super exciting. I bet they'd be great pickled too. Oh my gosh,
1: they're amazing pickled. (laughs) Honestly, it's fairly, if you Google habanada and recipes, you'll find people have been making, you know ice creams out of them and all kinds of things, both sweet and savory applications, because with that fruity floral profile, you can go so many places. But honestly, my favorite way to eat it, if it's not just straight warm from the field, is just a little salt, pepper, olive oil on a skillet, a quick sear, and just the whole thing. A lot of the flavor, I mean, certainly the flesh itself is flavorful, but the seeds and the membranes mm. are a lot of where flavor develops and collects. Literally, the capsaicin and other oils that are developing and contribute to flavor are on the membranes. Mm. So yes, Very habanada, cool. habanadas,
0: <laughs> and yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, um, oh, what's what's another one that sort of grabbed you recently? Well,
1: since I'm here in Rochester, mm. I love Sibley squash. Okay, which of course Sibley is kind of this ancient word associated with Rochester, and in fact, Sibley squash was an 1888. Fresh introduction in Rochester when Rochester was still very much in its print heyday and its botanical horticultural heyday, huh. and it's this amazing squash. To be honest with you, I first met it, um, way, way, way up in Quebec, um, in where like the St. Lawrence is becoming the ocean. Okay, and super short season. And this was late June, and we were visiting our dear friend Patrice Fortier, who is this amazing seed saver, chef, artist,
0: muse. that's such a Montreal name, by the way. Ah, Patrice Fortier. Oh, it just sounds fantastic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he had this Sibley squash sitting in the middle of summer in the middle (laughs) of his kitchen table. And it was rock solid, not going anywhere. And he sliced it up for us, and we ate it. And it tasted like the richest, creamiest, sweetest winter squash that had been roasted already in coconut oil, even though he had just roasted it by itself. Huh. No salt, nothing. And it was the most extraordinary. And this is you know, in June, after it had been harvested the October before. Wow. So it's an outrageous variety. It looks like a Hubbard, a small slate gray green hubbard you wouldn't it's a very unexpected unsuspecting it's a humble squash yeah but there's nothing humble about its flavor
0: that and sounds it's a fantastic. rochester heirloom that sounds fantastic yeah yeah and um yeah actually sibley buildings where uh, the startup i'm part of uh, frankly uh, we're on the sixth floor of the Sibley Building. Now, wow,
1: Ab- Ab- which case is in point. So cool, making um, history as we speak. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's fantastic. I had no idea we had such a interesting variety developed that long yeah. ago, and really Rochester based. Totally. That's totally. cool.
1: Yeah, there are so many such varieties, and so we're another thing that we're really passionate about at Fruition Seeds is, you know, this whole concept of heirloom and local and so here's the thing about heirloom i think of heirlooms as history but history didn't just happen history is happening we're making history as we speak on food about town podcast oh look at that and so heirlooms didn't just happen or they did just happen. They didn't they weren't heirlooms when they were first introduced. And so at, and initially no one knew what a brandywine tomato was. And now all of a sudden brandywine is this household term for a beloved heirloom that we all know. And how does that happen? Uh, and that it's the flavor, it's the relationships, it's all of this, and it didn't uh, books don't write themselves. And we're writing books all the time. Can you imagine if we stop writing books as a culture? Mm. Our culture will have ceased to exist. And in so many ways, we've stopped cultivating new varieties of vegetables that no one's ever heard of. So few people have heard of habanada. Mm -hmm. But by the time I have grandchildren, habanada will be a beloved heirloom variety. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts and responsibilities of our time is to not forget that all of these commodities that we see, whether it's, you know, cars or or seeds, everything in between, we have such responsibility to take delight in creating these things and creating the culture, not just bad-mouthing the culture that we don't see and we don't love, but creating that alternative world. And so we love you know, developing new varieties, collaborating with Cornell and all of their amazing plant breeders. And so we offer heirlooms that, like Sibley, 1888, we have you know, varieties that are much older that are certainly heirlooms. And then we have brand-new varieties that no one's ever heard of that by the time we have grandchildren They'll so be cool, be beloved heirlooms,
0: so cool, and I, actually, one, one thing I remember when we were doing our, our little walking tour of the um, seed cultivating area of the uh, of the farm over there yeah. was the selection of the different beans that you had, mm. and I think what we went over and something that grabbed me when we were talking about it that i 've thought about since was the um, some of the older um, you know Native American. Uh, versions of the beans that you're growing and maintaining. I thought that story was fascinating. If you want to tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh Well, it's really deeply humbling to remember Mm -hmm. that seeds are living, breathing beings. And just like you and I have ancestors, countless ancestors from really diverse places, seeds are the same way. And we have this variety of, Hodenosaunee skunk bean, and Hodenosaunee is the, you know, indigenous word for Iroquois. Iroquois sounds vaguely French, and it's totally French as a word. It's the French derogatory term for indigenous people. So the Hodenosaunee people, their, their creation story, um, is. Right in Naples, coming out of this beautiful gully that we now call, you know, Clark's Gully, but there's all this rich that's a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these beans have been grown in our valley for well over a millennia. And to be honest with you, I I've taken my own Kool-Aid. Regional adaptation is significant and makes a really big difference in the abundance that you will reap in your garden. But we've grown, I love beans and I love dry beans and we've grown so many dry beans. And without question, this bean is the most productive and it's so early. It's ludicrous. Honestly, if I was just growing beans just for the sake of eating, eating beans and sharing beans, there's no other bean that I would grow. And I have to imagine that it's because it's been grown in this place for untold centuries. And human hands have touched it so many times in this place, in this valley. So it shen- sends shivers down my spine every time I think about the immense history, the lineage, and then the fact that we're saving these seeds and giving them to you so that you can save them and you can be part of the story. You now it's so... As, a, as an aside, I feel so much sadness sometimes at the state of our world, and seeds bring me back to this place of hope every time because they're so small and so unsuspecting and so significant. I mean, every single that I'll give you one seed, Chris, of, the, of this Haudenosaunee skunk bean, and you'll have hundreds if not 4,000 by the end of the season. And each of those 4,000 be- can become another 4,000. And I definitely am way a farmer, and I'm no mathematician. <laughs> but if I can do that kind of math, there's no reason for me not to have hope for the world.
0: Yeah. No, it's really interesting. And I, I think that was the one, one thing that grabbed me. I mean, um, being not being a historian um, was that, you know, we still will still use the term Iroquois when it's something that, you know, they would might not have called themselves that before mm. we got here and that that's that was a really interesting when i when you told me that when we were there yeah. um obviously there's a lot lot to talk about there but we're not going to do that now <laughs> um the one of the other things was um petra and uh, matthew they were nice enough to host us for dinner when we were out there
1: it was our pleasure and it
0: was fantastic but one of the things i was surprised about and i knew was generally possible but was how many edible flowers that we picked while we were out there and how absolutely delicious they were.
1: Hooray. They were yes. so cool.
0: So when you, you were growing a few different varieties of edible flowers out there.
1: A few might be roughly translated to 24.
0: 24. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. 24 different kinds of edible flowers.
1: I'm a little bit of a sucker. Um, really for anything edible, but especially for things that you aren't expecting to eat. Like I love having big bouquets of dahlias in our kitchen, and then when we serve dinner, just grabbing a fistful of the of the bouquet and tossing it on top of your salad.
0: Yeah, and I gotta say, it would—they were phenomenally tasty. Mm. Um, you know, they added this. I mean, it was some sort of—it wasn't crunch, but this had, it has a great texture. And obviously, it still carries some of that floral flavor to yeah, it.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: But very refreshing. And it was, it was great picking them in the field and just snatching a little <laughs> bit. That was awesome.
1: I'm so glad you have a fond memory about that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things. And the bees quite agree. We're not the only species that <laughs> thinks it's a phenomenal <laughs> pastime.
0: Yeah. I think it was those and the... Uh, the, the tiny cucumbers that look like watermelons. <gasps>
1: yes. Which
0: one? I've I had before, but I love them. They're so cool.
1: Yes. They have a lot of fun names. My favorite is Cucamelon. Oh, wow. Uh, but That's They're also terrible. called mouse melons. Okay. Also called Mexican gherkins. Okay. And yeah, they look like these tiny little, like a massive blueberry that looks like a little watermelon they're yeah. the most remarkable things children absolutely love them and obviously children of all ages oh, love 100%. them and they're ludicrously abundant from a single plant you'll get hundreds yeah and another thing that i love about them is that they look and they taste like a cucumber but they're a totally different genus species than cucumber really? so they don't get They don't get powdery mildew. They don't get downy mildew. They don't get all the classic cucumber diseases. And so they'll be fruiting all the way to frost if you're picking them consistently. So they're unfathomably abundant and not to mention
0: fun. Another great example of uh, a piece of produce that is suited to grow in our area. And not only that, it doesn't have the big seeds. The crunch is fantastic. Uh, They pickle well. They're great in all sorts of dishes. And one of those things that it seems like we should be eating more of.
1: (laughs) And another reason that I love them is that they don't make sense for industrial agriculture. No one, you can't. They're so small and they're such a niche market, but anyone who puts them in their mouth will want to put 10 hundred more in their mouths. And so it's something and they grow so well in containers and small gardens. So they're and they don't get any any of the classic cucumber diseases. So they're very easy to grow for anyone. And you'll not it's very rare that you'll find them at a farmer's market. And if you do, they'll be asking a lot of money because they're they're just it's a lot of effort to be picking them to get any kind of volume. So it's one of those little things that you can grow that'll make such a big difference in your life. Even if you've never grown anything before, it's certainly in that top tier of easiest things to grow.
0: Really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, so I guess one of the other things, where, where can people find uh, your seeds when it comes to uh, planting your own seeds in your garden? And then, when can where can people find you when it comes to you know the occasional sales you have at your at your place?
1: Yeah, so right here in Rochester, um, Lori's Natural Foods has the largest selection, uh, but you'll also find them at abundance. Um, you'll also find them at various flower shops and garden centers. Um, it's a little. It's a little early for me to say exactly which ones, but likely at Genrich's, um, Bristol's. You can always find them at Galea's. They have an awesome selection. I'll be doing a bunch of um, really fun gardening workshops at Galea's as well. So definitely look those up. And you can always find our full selection, which is well over 300 varieties, online at fruitionseeds.com.
0: Very cool. And
1: Fruition is spelled F-R-U-I-T-I-O-N, as in come to fruition.
0: Sounds great.
1: FruitionSeeds.com. And our seed store is every Saturday in the spring, in April and in May. And we're open from 10 to 2. And we have all of our seeds as well as tons of seed starting supplies and lots of transplants as well.
0: Very cool. Um, yeah. And that's out in Naples.
1: Yeah, we're down in Naples. And it's a beaut, if you've not been to Naples, obviously I'm biased, mm-hmm. but it's an amazing town. The topography is beautiful. We have wineries to visit, lovely artisan shops to visit. There, If you like to hike, you have weeks, months, decades of your life to explore, both just trails up the hills, but also there are well over a dozen gullies, glens, ravines that you can clamber up. And there's some really nice restaurants. I love Roots. And then Bristol Valley Theater is this beautiful old cathedral that they've gorgeously transitioned to be a theater. So there's all kinds of, I mean, they get New York City actors and actresses coming up and doing incredible performances all year round. That sounds amazing. It's honestly a little town that per capita is kind of out of
0: control. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at that. You know, somebody describes a small town that way, and it's hard not to want to make that drive out, it's not, not that far away.
1: It's, you know, and same thing for Rochester. It's 50 minutes from our house to Rochester, and I'm always like, it seems so far, and then I get to Rochester, and I'm like, gosh, it is so worth it every time. <laughs> so it's certainly, the, it's a two-way street, quite yeah. literally. Sounds
0: great. So I think we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to talk a little bit about our day that we had today, which was really interesting went to a bunch of different places oh it was so fun um so we'll be right back and see you in a minute this week's episode of the food about town podcast is brought to you by frankly and that's frankly.com p-h-r-a-n-k-l-y.com frankly is the best way to find out where your local restaurant sources their food from and how to find that specialty product you love so much frankly.com has been recently redesigned so please check it out and let me know what you think. You can reach me, stromy at frankly.com. Check out Frankly at frankly.com and join the open source food movement. And we're back. Oh, hello. So uh, while, <laughs> <laughs> while we were in the break, talking with Petra Page Mann from Fruition Seeds. Oh, hello. Fantastic Naples, New York.
1: You're much um, too kind.
0: Yeah, you were, you were telling me about a new project you're working on, which sounds really interesting.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, any, any mother is going to say their baby is beautiful and brilliant, and I'm no <laughs> exception.
0: By the way, most babies... No, I don't know about most, <laughs> but some babies are not beautiful. <laughs> no, right, I, I want to be controversial. So.
1: All right. So We have so much to talk about. It's so true. <laughs> but anyways... So my little baby these days, for years... So we started Fruition Seeds in 2012, and... And we offer seeds, right? So that people can be more abundant and beautiful in their gardens, in their lives. And for years, people have said, well, great, you have awesome seeds, but how do I grow this? And how do I grow that? And what about, how do I trellis this? And what do I need to know about late blight? And we've realized, of course, that the seeds aren't the limiting factor. That the actual gardening know-how, this time, the skills to make yourself a, into a really competent gardener, it takes time. And so, you know, we've, we certainly, we have lots of great resources online and we do, I have, we have almost a hundred videos on our YouTube channel, which is really fun. We'd sing a lot of songs. And that's very under very silly. That's under
0: fruition seeds. <laughs> totally. Beautiful. Fruition
1: seeds on YouTube. And, but I'm really, we, I'm really scared kicking it up to the next level this year. And we're actually creating a garden club that you can be a part of that every month we have a different theme and it's really a deep dive into a subject where you're getting our most in-depth information and it also has, you know, an hour of Q&A that's live with me every month and it's all recorded so you have access to all the previous months and you know, weekly garden guidance and it's like recipes as well. And it's really fun. It's really yummy. There's also an online community forum. So we can all be talk. You can, if you have a question, you can just instantly ask and I'll be there. Um, and all of these other people around the Northeast and around the country will be there to jump right in and have a conversation around it. I know when I'm learning a new skill, I love to have my hand held. And Even if I have danced for years, I still want to dance with people who can take me to the next level. And so I'm so excited to bring people's gardening skills to the next level. And of course our seeds are next level seeds, but it doesn't matter if you have next level seeds, if you still don't know when to plant carrots and how to thin them well, and what kind of questions you should be asking about your soil. So yeah, we're starting flourish is the name of Fruitions um, Garden Club. Very cool.
0: And um, where where can people find out more about that? Is there a place yet or is that upcoming?
1: Yeah, you can find it at my.fruitionseeds.com. You can also find it from our blog site um, that you can find from that same website, but also fruitionseeds.com will get you there.
0: It's very interesting.
1: Oh man, I am so biased. Yeah, of course you but are. But I will talk about it all day long, <laughs> and I can't wait to have it be this beautiful conversation.
0: Well, gardening is intimidating, and it's it's something when totally. people to- when people talk about it, they've got oh, I've got a green thumb, or I don't have a green thumb. None of it's that complicated, but it's there's a lot of individual pieces of information that you need to know.
1: Exactly, it's just like any other skill where if you're initially trying to ride a bike whoa, Yeah, it's going to be messy. And so it's really important to have friends in the process and mentors in the process. And maybe you need a really nice bike, but basically you need people that are, that are just going to be like, you've got this. Yeah. Get back on the bike.
0: Yeah. One well, of the worst thing that happens is, I mean, plants are going to die. You kill, every, <laughs> you kill so many plants every year. I do. You're right. Um, but it's the thing is, you know, when, when something goes wrong, there's a lesson to be learned from it in one way or another. So true. Maybe it's something that doesn't grow well in your soil, because even though we are we might all live in Rochester or the surrounding areas, um, you know, the soil in different areas is different. So maybe yeah. tomatoes don't grow super well where you are, or it doesn't get dry enough for peppers to grow well. Well, that's okay. Maybe you shouldn't grow peppers there, or you need to grow it in a separate container or somewhere else. There's, there's always lessons to be learned about where you are and what you're growing at the time.
1: Totally. And having a conversation about it, not just being in your own vacuum and your own bubble. So that's really what I, what I'm most excited about this is not only to give, I mean, I've learned so much about growing things in my brief few decades on this planet and I'm happy to share it all. I'm probably the least proprietary person that I know. (laughs) And I'm constantly learning more things. And it's only because other people that I love are also generous with what they've learned. And so that building that community and having that support base where we all have something to learn and we all have something to teach and really giving a voice and a platform and a place to celebrate our community on that level. That is the heart of Flourish.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So very exciting. Make sure you go check that out, especially if you're gardening or want to learn about gardening because it's something we can all afford to do a little bit more of. I know I'm going to be planting stuff this year in our backyard for really the first time other than herbs. I'm so excited for you, Chris. Because herbs are so easy. <sighs> they are. And and really, if you're not doing anything, we'll start with herbs. Everybody needs you know, fresh parsley and fresh rosemary or whatever else. It is the easiest, absolute easiest thing to grow.
1: Another thing that makes it so easy is that they're just leaves. Yeah. And as a general rule, if you have partial sun, if you don't have the best soil, you can grow great leaves. If a plant is actually going to flower and fruit, like a tomato, a cucumber, a watermelon... That takes much more sunlight, a lot more energy, a much more complex suite of nutrients in the soil. So if you if you don't have the best sunlight, if you don't have the best soil, you'll grow phenomenal leaves. You'll grow amazing basil, amazing lettuce, incredible kale. Uh, so and
0: in and, and in of that, they can change your cooking altogether by having fresh herbs available. Oh, it's you know, so true. When you're cooking in the summer, you can accent your dish, even the simplest dishes, with you know a little chiffonade of parsley or mm. you know. Amp, amping up your tomato sauce with oregano, fresh oregano, and basil it's it's a completely different completely different experience and makes your food taste that much more complex
1: i and just the joy yeah oh you know i there's something that i the thing that I hope transmits through every seed and every seed packet and every little video that we make is that it's more than just straight nutrients there's something that is so deeply. Satisfying about connecting with the earth and connecting with your food and connecting with just process in this whole other way. You're not just shaking out of something that you bought at Aldi's or maybe at Wegman's or maybe at this sweet upscale spice shop, but it's still not personal. Yeah. Where if it's something that you've watched grow for weeks, if not months, all of a sudden. Yeah, you have a whole new appreciation for life, and respect for life, and that you're a part of it. You're not just taking; you're also giving to then receive. Mm. That's
0: way too many words to describe <laughs> verbs. But. Yeah,
1: it just but they're just delicious. All that you need to know is it's delicious. <laughs> Speaking I of say, delicious, well, I, yeah,
0: I, I mean, I love listening to you talk about things. You, you have such a. You have such a personal connection with all the different products. And I'm like, you know what? Also, herbs are delicious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me not beat around the bush. <laughs> if it wasn't delicious, I wouldn't be here on this yeah, planet. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh. But yeah, you're right. Speaking of delicious, we had a really we had a nice day today. So good. Yeah. So so Petra showed up around around noon and we you know, I kinda had a vague idea of different places to go. I mean they were nice enough to treat us to a home-cooked dinner this last time, but since she doesn't show up in Rochester all that often, I figured we'd go to some different places around town that maybe she hadn't been to before, and we started off at the public market, which you had been to before a number of times.
1: many times, but there's always something new to taste, see, feel, hear, see at yeah. public market. And
0: we got some different stuff today. We did. So we got, um, you know, somewhere I've talked a lot about was, um, you know, Flower City Bread. We went there. But today we got one of their we got their market special today, which I mean I know you enjoyed. (laughs) So what what was what was on there?
1: It was just, of course, a simple slice of bread slathered in butter, which at Flower City is everything but simple. Its simplicity is its utter elegance. Yeah. But then there was avocado and cased with all and with all these chickpeas and sweet potatoes mm. oh my goodness and kale and this marvelously fried egg on top it was so fun it was so creative and so delicious
0: yeah and another one of those i mean there's not that many ingredients in there but it's well seasoned it's well thought out there's good textures and the kind of thing where you're like oh well yeah avocado toast is trendy but <laughs> God damn if it isn't delightful when it's done well yeah. Um. You know, just well seasoned, and delicious food. Um. And I, I can never speak the praises of Flower City highly enough. Uh, so we we had that there, which was delightful. Took a quick walk down the road and grabbed some grabbed some olive oil from the cheese shop. Um. And that is. Oh, why am I forgetting the name of the cheese shop? But anyways, it's the diverse cheese shop, the European cheese shop, at the public just market, a
1: stones throw or a a wheel of breeze. Th- throw away from Flower City. If you're good
0: at throwing <laughs> wheels of breathing.
1: <laughs> I'll hire you, Chris. <laughs> Sounds great. Um
0: so yeah, we we grabbed some olive oil from there and we just had a little bit of it on Flower City's six grain bread here. Luscious. And that olive oil is really something. They have um estate grown olive oil from their um estate back in Italy. And that that olive oil is just fantastic. It's just a little it's so much better than you know commercial uh extra virgin olive oil. The fruitiness and the yeah, the grassiness and the fruitiness, the Mm. depth of flavor is fantastic on there. This
1: I've confess I have been thinking about this entire podcast. I'm like, this is really fun, (laughs) but there is a loaf of bread and olive oil in the other room. Yeah, exactly. What else are we doing with our lives?
0: Um and it's it's another one of those things where you grab a piece of bread, you just put olive oil and salt and pepper on there, and it's just perfect in Mm. the limited amount of ingredients. But it's because all the flavors are developed. You've got good olives turned into good olive oil, and bread that <sighs> was developed with flavor, um, with local local grains. Amazing! What a great thing! Um, we
1: are so fortunate,
0: and and we are. We the nice thing about it is we have all these access to um, ingredients, and you know, sure we can't grow olives here, but here, but we have somebody who moved here but still has access to that from their mm. like his uh, family estate back in Italy. Mm. Amazing. What a, what a fantastic thing.
1: Can I interrupt oh, with a shout out? I hope so. Oh, my goodness. Have you had Stony Brook oils? I don't.
0: Wait, wait, what do they do?
1: Oh, my goodness. I know what I'm bringing you next time. Oh, awesome. They're in Geneva and they toast butternut squash seeds and press them in gorgeous Italian oil presses. I
0: have had them, and it, that oil oh, is fantastic.
1: It's outrageous. They do pumpkin seed oil and sunflower seed oil. And they are the most exceptional oils. And so it's outrageous that we have access to incredible estate grown olive oil here in Rochester. Yes. But, but amazing that we have truly local, locally grown seeds that are being locally
0: pressed. Oh, my gosh. And, it's, and it is phenomenally tasty. It is
1: so delicious and so nutritious. And mm. I know and love every single person at Stony Brook. And they are such such an extraordinary business.
0: Cool. Mm. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to try that. I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk more about it, because that's way too cool.
1: And then we'll just eat more of it. Mm. I'm in. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> um, so we went to, after that, we took a quick trip into the South Wedge to go to um, Neeraj Lama's place, which is Leaf Tea Bar, uh, and they're opening a second location inside the Eastview Mall in the old Tivana location, um, taking a larger business and moving it to a local business, one, great development for Eastview. That's fantastic. But we got to sit down at Leaf Tea Bar, which is right on South Ave, in the heart of the South Wedge, and got to try some tea. And I think, what did you have today?
1: I had some ginger turmeric tea that was well above average.
0: That sounds great. Um, Got a little bit zingy, a little bit refreshing.
1: And so rich, robust, earthy, Mm. and it was perfect for this January day.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had some of their Nua uh, Darjeeling, which was delightful. And I think mm. the the wife had some coconut matcha latte, which, you know, on a, another on a day like today, <laughs> very hearty, very, you know, that that dark green flavor mm. uh, just echoed through the whole thing. Um, one of those places that I cannot recommend people go enough. Uh, great experience from top to bottom. Teas selected carefully. And it's tea for the sake of tea, not Mm. just to amp it up with fruit and other things. It's not to say they don't have blends of teas and like green mint, but everything's a little bit more, a little more tastefully chosen and balanced than some of the big commercial varieties. They have
1: a beautifully curated selection and the space is so welcoming and inviting.
0: It's not huge, but you feel very comforted in there and the people are very informative. And if you get a chance, you know, go do some of the traditional tea ceremony things. They do mm. multiple steepings of teas so you can really taste it as it, you know, develops as you run it through two and three and four times.
1: I can't wait to go back, Chris. And thanks again for the marvelous introduction.
0: Absolutely. So we went there really nice. Um, and then we we started going around to different Asian grocery stores <laughs> in Henrietta. <laughs> <laughs> which I you know, I wasn't originally planning on. But I mentioned I mentioned the fact we were talking about we were talking about turmeric. And, it's true. and Petra brought up the fact, you know, she'd bought turmeric before down at uh, where we ended up at their last place, which was uh, the Spice Bazaar, which is over on Jefferson, right next to Raj Mahal restaurant. Sort of an Indian grocery store. And fresh turmeric is a beautiful thing.
1: And they had not only Classic orange turmeric, which I, of course, know and love and Mm -hmm. am familiar with. But they had white turmeric, which I had never seen before and couldn't wait to try. So they have lots of really unusual, wonderful things. Yeah, it's
0: a beautiful store. Great selection of spices if you ever want to try cooking your own Indian food. uh, Spice Bazaar is a great place to do it. Nice produce selection. And... Um pre-mixed spices if you want to have a little bit of training wheels, or if you want to buy all your own spices, they've got everything separated at very, very good prices. So one of those places that uh if you want to try cooking your own, I would highly recommend going to. Um but we also went to we went to a couple different of the um you know Chinese, Korean style uh markets. We took a stop over at Asia Food Market, but it was so busy today. Oh my gosh,
1: it was so it was, it was amazing. It was so fun. The
0: wines were, geez, I might be 20 people deep at each of the registers. <laughs> and I'm not sure why it was so busy, but it was, we were there, you know, the heart of Saturday <laughs> uh, looking at different produce. Uh, but another place where I, I like shopping because I can get some good produce. Um, I can stock up my kitchen with different spices. I was taking a picture of the uh, fermented broad bean and chili paste I bought mm. last time uh, for making Sichuan food. I'm in, and uh, you were talking. You were telling us about a mushroom powder. Oh my gosh. That you bought, and we since we didn't really want to wait in twenty people deep lines, <laughs> uh, we went over to uh, Lee's Market over in the Genesee Valley Cooperative area, and we went to the to Lee's uh, Market to grab some of this mushroom powder. Tell me a little bit about that. I know you've tried it before.
1: I so there's this phrase that is, you know, when something is more than the sum. The sum is greater than the total of its parts. Mm. (laughs) 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 I don't know how better to describe this substance. I don't personally understand it. I look at the ingredients list, and yes, mushrooms are delicious. Yes, salt is delicious. But really, this powder is magic. And everything that I've made with it, I just discovered it. My dear friends, Chris and Sal Clinton, they are so fun. Mm. And they are... Consummate eaters and enjoyers of things, and they shared this phenomena with me. And ever since, I've just been bowled over everything I've put it in. I and my favorite is just you know to use it in a classic hot pot broth Mm. context, but I've used it in a lot of other ways. And every time, I'm like, I need more of this in my life,
0: (laughs) yeah. And I I grabbed a bag for myself because the ability to make quick broths is one of those things that's kind of underrated. Because if you're going to make some quick noodles, well, you can throw them in a broth and throw some vegetables in there and get something delicious with very little effort if you have something like this product. Oh, it's true. Uh, and
1: especially in the winter, you know, in the summer, I I love making stock and we have so many vegetables everywhere. Um, and I love making bone broth as well. But especially in the winter when we just we don't have quite the volume of produce, Swimming around our ears, mm. it's really nice to have a go-to that I I love the ingredients. They're so simple, and the flavors are just so rich, complex, and yeah, divine. And I bet if you
0: you can also, if you wanted to use that plus some other things, you could toast it along with some, you know, sweat and maybe caramelize some onions and garlic, and we could be friends. Oh yeah, and then some miso too. <laughs> oh, mean, what what an amazing base that would be for for a <laughs> stew. Mm. That makes me excited already. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to try that. I got some silken tofu and some uh, Chinese broccoli. Gai lan, one of my favorite mm. vegetables. Uh, the crunch on that is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I can eat so much. It's you know a bit bitter. Not quite as much as like broccoli rabe, which can be sort of bracingly bitter at times. Yeah. But the great combination of like broccoli stems yeah. with some of like broccoli leaves, which people I don't think understand are that delicious. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those things I really enjoy doing is going to these different Asian markets and trying something different. Yeah. Um or it's finding such a privilege. finding a dish that you enjoy at a restaurant, maybe trying to recreate it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's one of those things that once you find a place you enjoy like um, uh, you know Sichuan food um or you know traditional maybe Cantonese Chinese, trying to figure out how do I make this and how do I make it to my tastes? Mm. Maybe you're cutting the oil down, maybe you're doing these other things. But can you take some lessons from it to make the rest of your food more delicious as well?
1: And the answer is yes. Of course. Especially here in
0: Rochester. We're yeah. so fortunate. Yeah, and it's we're not that far away from all these different growing areas. Um, actually, you know what? I think I want to give a little bit of a shout out to the wine I brought to you when we were down in when we went to your place oh, for dinner.
1: we can talk about it all night long. That was probably one of the most notable Bottles of wine I've ever enjoyed in my life, certainly in the year two thousand seventeen, without question.
0: Yeah, and the nice thing about so many different Finger Lakes wines, and of course, if I'm going down to dinner to eat with somebody who's focusing so much on oh, maintaining shucks. our local oh stop seed and vegetable growing culture. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> um, is to bring a local wine, um, and where I went, which was not that long before I went there was to go to Bellwether Winery which is over on the I think it's on the west side of Cayuga Lake so it's um yeah it's in between Cayuga and Seneca I believe what we had was the Teller Vineyard Riesling which was really something
1: I can confirm um, I will never forget that bottle of wine.
0: Yeah. And the crazy thing is that retails at their place for $19 a bottle. Ludicrous. Which is crazy how for how complicated it was. Uh, if I recall, What else am I
1: doing with my basement?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I recall correctly, I think this was, you know, I, I usually like my Rieslings dry. This one was just off dry. Mm. It had these longer developed flavors, like these honey flavors. And I, I was just... Really shocked with how delicious it was for the price. Uh, a wine I would I'm likely to go back and buy uh, a fair amount of because I've been trying a lot of Rieslings over the last year, trying to learn more about our uh, local uh, our local speciality. I mean, Rieslings what we're known for around the country. Although we're starting to get known for Cab Franc too.
1: Hey hey, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Finger
0: Lakes. Um, but there's so many cool people growing wine in the Finger Lakes right now as it's developing. Whether it's um, you know, Nathan Kendall over at uh, Hickory Hollow, whether it's uh, Bellwether, whether it's, you know, the good people at Ravines or, or um, oh, wow, I am I thinking? Uh, Herman Weimer as well. Mm. There's so much good Riesling in the Finger Lakes, but trying the different ones and learning, hey, maybe this vineyard, this teller Vineyard or Sawmill Creek Vineyard, well, maybe this is the one I like more than another one. Really narrowing down and the Finger I can't
1: Finger wait lakes. to try it next year. Oh, I'm sure
0: it's going to be and awesome. And from five
1: years ago and from five years from now.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely want to buy some and let it sell her for a little while, and hopefully it gets better over age.
1: Oh, good. I can keep it in your cellar because I definitely can't keep it in mine.
0: <laughs> well, you've, got, you've got a beautiful older house there. It probably has a great cellar.
1: Well, yes, but I'll know where it is, and Uh-oh. I can easily find it.
0: Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, it's one of those cellars. It sounds better in theory than it is in practice. Well,
1: arm's length. Is a dangerous thing if I know I have such fine, luscious things right there. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone I love comes through the door, I'm like, guys, (laughs) you gotta have it. Check this out. I'm trying to let it age. I've let it age three weeks. I'm doing great. (laughs) Have you
0: ever had an older Riesling before?
1: You know, I am, I confess complete noviceness to just about everything in this Mm. world. Um, So, no, I will totally hand the mic to you. Tell me more and assume I know nothing.
0: So, one of the things I really enjoyed about learning wine this last year or so is trying some older Rieslings. And uh, a shout-out to my good friends over at, um, wow, I'm losing. Farmer's Creekside Tavern in in Leroy. Uh, And Drew Chapit, the uh, head of the uh, wine and beverage program there, Um, for my birthday this year, they were nice enough to source a 1983 bottle (gasps) of Riesling for me. What? Yeah, I've got the bottle right up here.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right
0: right next to my piranha fish. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they were nice enough to source a 1983 bottle of Riesling. And on the podcast I did with them, well, which you should definitely check out if you want to learn more about wine. So, <laughs> Somalia podcast with uh, him and the uh, GM, Chris Gracchi, from the Farmer's Creek side. They brought up a 1990 bottle from Germany. And uh, what Old reasoning is, it kind of gets this like desiccated fruit flavor where it's really rounded, like desiccated and dried fruit, really concentrated, and it gets this petrol flavor. Whoa. Not petrol flavor, petrol flavor. Noted. <laughs> um, but delightful, and it it maintains some of this acidity over time. And ever since I tried it, then I've every time I get the opportunity, I grab some. If a place has older riesling, oh,
1: outrageous!
0: So I, I'd be fascinated to know if uh, you know, like Chris over at Bellwether, if he's doing mm. some of that uh, older aging, or if he thinks his wine will hold up over time, mm. which. I, I hope it does, because I'm, I'm going to go buy some, for uh, sure. Horton. Buy more than a couple bottles.
1: I am finding myself going to Ithaca tomorrow. I might have to stop by on my way.
0: Not that far away from you.
1: <sighs> well, I'm glad we're <laughs> having this conversation. Let me count yeah. the ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, that rounds out our day. And um, you actually have to head over to a dinner on uh, the oh, other I side of town. I absolutely
1: have to. My life is so hard; it's very important. You see,
0: <laughs> it's a hard knock life. <laughs> so, I think what we're going to do is wrap up for today, and we'll pick this up another time.
1: I can't wait, Chris. So, why
0: don't you again throw some plugs out for fruition, and where can people find the products?
1: Oh my goodness, my shameless plugs! are Oh, this. please do. You are beautiful. <laughs> you are abundant. <laughs> your garden can be that beautiful and abundant as well. And just like local food tastes better, local seed is the heart of local food. And here in Rochester, you have a local organic seed company. We're down in Naples. You can come by anytime, and I hope that you do. And we have four-legged friends to say hello, as well as the six of us for whom it is our day-to-day thing that we jump out of bed to do. But we're here not only to offer you seeds, but to offer you organic gardening know-how. Everything that we've learned is yours. And don't be shy. You have such good questions. Stay curious. Very
0: cool. So cool. So fruitionseeds.com and uh, keep an eye out for Flourish.
1: Yeah. And check us out. We have a really fun feed on Instagram, on Facebook. And but most of all, we're real people with real farms and real food. And I hope that you come down and see us in the flesh one day and put an actual habanada in your mouth.
0: So cool. <laughs> Petra, thanks so much for coming over. My Had My
1: pleasure. Thank you, Chris.
0: All right. See you guys next time.